We're there. We're, I wonder if they popped up on their end. No, just ours. Sure, okay. just well, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Overtime, which is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. So glad that you're joining us. Hopefully that you, we hope that you are encouraged by this and challenged by this as we just, again, do a deeper dive into the weekend messages. Um, I do want to let you know that we have an upcoming, another Eagles football game. That's this Sunday, the 20th at 1 o'clock. I think this week... Who are they playing? It no was, I forget who they're playing. It was the Bengals the following week. Um, I don't know, but I think you should show up and watch that. So if you're interested in showing up to that, we've got our LED screen. It's kind of set up from the, the Sunday morning service. You're welcome to start coming for the tailgating portion of that, like bring your own tailgate, bring your own grill, chairs, whatever you want to bring, bring it. 11 o'clock is when you can start showing up for that. Game starts at 1, so we'll have that on probably the pregame whatever they call those shows before that happens. Uh, we'll have that on, and then 1 o'clock will be the football game. So we hope that you can join us for that. We've got some other things that are happening. Is there anything else that we should be reminding them of? Um, There's a movie night the next Friday, right? Yeah, the fourth Friday of the month we'll be doing a movie night that week. So I think, yeah. yeah elders, too. Yeah, yep. the elders. That's right. Did you want to bring them up to speed on that? Or? Yeah, I was going to tell you right here, right now. Um, we'll be presenting a new slate of elders. That's uh, new folks who kind of... Feel the burden and responsibility for shepherding and caring for our church. The word elder literally is the word translated uh, pastor in, in the scriptures. And so every year, three session members rotate off, or elders, that's another term because they meet in a session, uh, rotate off, and three new ones rotate on. We had one additional slot that was a two year slot that we had to fill. So we actually are um, presenting four elders for you to approve this. This Sunday at 9 a.m., either out in the parking lot or in, in the sanctuary. Yeah. Um, and they are Bill Hostetter. Uh, L.K. Jordan. L.K. Jordan is the two-year term. Everybody else is the three-year ter- term. Wardell Coleman and I Ed got this. Hershaw. Ed Herschel. That's yeah. right. So all four of those uh, will present to you uh, this week. And so you should come celebrate them, pray, yeah. all those things with us Sunday morning. Yeah, so we hope that you can be a part of that. Also, this past week was kind of a big weekend for us. Um, six months to the date, actually, wow. if you look at when COVID hit. We finally had our in-person, in-the-building service. We've been doing drive-through for several months now. So six months to the day. So we are excited. If you have not heard, we want to invite you out. There's a couple different ways that you can view our services that happen on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And then there's kind of a replaying of that 9 o'clock service at 1045, as well as at 5 p.m. on Sunday. So it is kind of a little bit of a change. We're no longer offering the Saturday night, but that's because... At 9 a.m., we're offering three different things. We're offering a online, you can still catch us live, that is now filmed in front of a live studio audience. Uh, We're offering in person. You can come and show up in our sanctuary. We just ask that you would RSVP. Let us know that you're coming. You can find that RSVP on our sign-ups page on our website. And you have to giggle. And you have to to giggle. You have to think the sermon's really funny. You have to laugh out loud. That was part of even what Josh talked about this past week. Being a live studio audience. That was it. That's just laugh more. Giggle more in Jesus. Giggle. No. And then the last way that you can join is if you're uncomfortable with coming inside, you know, you still have some things that you're not quite sure about yet, you can join us for the drive-in option as well. So 
pretty exciting. We've got kind of three audiences at once mm -hmm. on Sunday morning, so that's a pretty exciting time. We'd love for you to join us. If you have questions, you can go to our website right on our homepage. You'll see kind of a big button that says more about our in-person services or our options. Yeah. That'll bring you kind of frequently asked questions, yeah. kind of the layout of the, the facility. Like uh, it might answer the questions that you have, but oh, as always, if you have questions that aren't answered, feel free to give us a call, contact us, text us, whatever is easiest, just let us know and we'd love to be able to give you information about that. By the way, I sat outside for the worship on the yep. front end and the back end. I went inside to preach. Uh, the, the outside service is my jam. Like It was <laughs> a lot of fun. And this week, I think when you wake up, it'll be in the 40s, and then it'll be oh, in the man. 60s during church service. So come out there, bring a blanket, bring your fire pit. So if you yep. come to the drive-in service, there's a place that like just for cars you can park and yep. listen inside your car, sit in your truck bed. But there's also an outdoor sit seating area where you can sit socially distance, yeah. all those kind of things. Bring a fire pit, enjoy it. It's going to be yeah. good. Go and get set up for the, the football game at 1 o'clock afterwards. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Definitely, definitely think you should do that. If uh, you had uh, My pick would be be outdoors with me, but Sanctuary is available to you as well. Or if you can't, join us online. We're trying to give you the whole experience the best way we can. Uh, and maybe the way to do this is if you want to be at the game, you could bring your fire pit like early, <laughs> you set it up, and then you just bring leave it grill, there. I don't know. I'm grill just, some burritos. Just throwing some ideas Jesus out there. Jesus ate fish for breakfast. <laughs> So we've got a lot going on, guys. Stay uh, up to date on our website, through our app, through texting. Like, there's a lot of just different things that are happening. But let's kind of jump into the overtime portion <laughs> yeah, of this. I don't Jesus know what is that. Six questions, uh, six minutes or something. Yeah. It's okay. That's yeah. probably actually a record low for us. No, um, three minutes last week. I three minutes. Oh man, we we did well then. So let's kind of jump into. I think that we're week nine of Luke's gospel. Yep, week nine. Um, nine yeah. weeks. We're so. Nine weeks. We're in Luke chapter two. We're moving right along. We did twenty-two through forty this past yep. week. Do you want to kind of give us an update on what that is? Yeah. Well, in the original and do want to just say that if this is kind of you haven't listened to the message yet, we always encourage you let this be part two of the message. Don't just watch this and try and catch up. It'll be a lot better if you listen to that message and then come back. Yeah. So we actually twenty-one through forty. I think my notes and what we turned out was twenty-two, but I really did want to kind of cover Jesus' circumcision mm -hmm. again because. Um, what we see here, even for these godly people, Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, uh, they're devoutly religious, yeah. right? And so, so interesting because they're kind of like, uh, you know, I'm called an exennial. Okay. Because okay? you've got millennials and, and then you have Generation X, right? So, exennial? That's exennial. the first time I've ever exennial. heard that. Exennial. Okay. Google it. It's true. But it's for a very small sector. It's for people who grew up without the internet. But were able to cheat on their papers in college because the okay. internet was there. I, I guess I would fall in under Possibly. that. Possibly, I don't know. And Xennial. So uh, I like guess okay. like eighty, uh, like seven, uh, up to like eighty three, eighty four, maybe. So I think okay. you're still I'm eighty six. Yeah, you're <sighs> for sure. But the whole idea is that they like the, the Xennial has all the same memories that the Generation X folks have. You know, like we didn't. We had to call a phone number to find out the time and temperature. You know, like the time and like oh, those kind of things. Like we had to like call to figure out what the temperature was. You or you had to watch TV. You couldn't yeah. Google stuff. So it was without Google. Like my whole high school was without Google. But then in college, it kind of shows up. And then you know, the last you know twenty years, sure, uh, been part of my life. Well, so if you, an exennial is like a marriage between the millennials and the Generation X. Okay. What you gotta see here, like with particularly Judeo Christians, like Mary and Joseph are just that. They're like okay. an exennial that are transitioning from Judaism into Christianity. So there yeah. are these okay. these teenagers yeah. who have done all the Jewish stuff. Like they followed all the rules, you know, did all the stuff. And when Jesus is born, 
we find them really doing those things well. In fact, the way we defined it, really, really important that you get this for Jews and all religions, really, but for Jews in the first century and kind of how it works, how we respond to God is either through policies, procedures, or pilgrimages, right? right? So when we find Mary and Joseph, they just had a baby. He, uh, they, The first part tells us he's eight days old. They circumcise him. That's a policy and a procedure, right? Yeah. Literally, you circumcise your kids to remind yourself that God is providential and he is covenant. So that's a policy. Then the procedure, literally a procedure, right? And so there's a uh, – sorry if you're watching. I'm <laughs> – Use some scissors with my hands. Uh, so <laughs> we're using visuals today, yeah, guys. We are. So no felt board. I thought about bringing that up here actually, but um, so anyway, so yeah, policy. There, there is, was no felt board piece yeah, for there, circumcision, yeah, just yeah. for the record. Yeah, like, yeah, nothing fell off the board. And so, um, so anyway, he's got policies and procedures. This yeah. is kind of how you respond to God. Here's the rules you follow. Them. Here's the things. And so when we find Mary and Joseph, they're right in the middle of that. Policies yeah. and procedures. The first thing you see eight days in is circumcision. And then what is about to happen is they're going to the temple. That's a pilgrimage, right? right? So they're living probably with, you know, uh, some relatives right now because they're still in Bethlehem. And they haven't gone back to Nazareth. That'd be, you know, a week's journey or whatever. And so they're there and they bring Jesus because they're devoutly Jewish. Yeah. And what you're going to see kind of play out is they're going to do all the rituals. They go, God, we're... We're purifying him. We're bringing. We're seeking our own purification. And what happens is they interact with these two people who also would have been in the policies, procedures, and pilgrimages. In right. fact, they'd have been the best at the pilgrimages because right, right. they're literally at the temple. One lady, Anna, lives there somehow. I don't know if she like has a sleeping bag. I don't know if that's like if that's literal. If she happens yeah. to sleep outside, I have no idea. Yeah. So these two people who you would think are all about the policies, procedures, and pilgrimages, all of a sudden declare Jesus as the hope of all these things, right? So what we talked about is, got this promise. We've talked about promise and fulfillment, but the words we use, because we only use peace this week, are yeah. promise <laughs> and payoff, right? God makes a promise, and eventually there's going to be a payoff. Now, the whole Old Testament was declaring there's going to be a, a payoff. The New Testament is the arrival of the payoff, which is Jesus. And yeah. so these folks interact with Jesus, these old people that... You would think that God was so proud of them in terms of their performance. Declare in the middle of holding this baby saying, it's not about our performance. It's not about the policies. It's not about the procedures. It's not about the pilgrimages. It's all about this process by which Jesus comes and yeah. pays off our debt. right? And so you see this moment where well, kind of the big idea was, hey, we have to take Jesus more serious. When yeah, you read right. this, we have to take him really serious because... His life, even as a little baby, had such ramifications for these people old in their age, eighties, mm-hmm. nineties, and you know, like in their hundreds, and they can declare that this guy can bring good news and hope for them in that moment. And as we've been kind of studying the scriptures, the reason we've been studying the Gospel of Luke is because Luke tells us he writes all these things so that we have certainty about the things we have, been, uh, things that we've been taught. Yeah. And that certainty isn't one day you get to go to heaven. The certainty is right now, today, you get to live in this resurrected life because Jesus has paid the price for us and forgive for all of us and promised us and guaranteed us this resurrected life here and now. And so you see this play out out in these first two people, uh, Simeon and Anna, in their old age, long before Jesus dies on the cross, long before he comes back to life, long before he gives us his spirit. God is already at work going, this is the way by which all creation is restored right through him. And so kind of what makes this moment so unique is this uh, snapshot in history where you see this old world and this new world kind of intersect, Mm -hmm. right? That's why I like the zenial thing. Like 
Everything they've ever known about Jewish law, I got to do all these things, not because it saves me, because it reminds me that there is a God who is perfect and holy, and I can mm. I can put a Band-Aid on my problems because one day he'll do the surgery. Yeah. Right? And so those are the promises for the Old Testament. Um, and then all of a sudden, in this moment, you see a snapshot in history where all those promises are all fulfilled. In a moment, yeah. they're all fulfilled. Yeah. But they're not fulfilled in, like, a supernatural event, you know, that is that has to do with creation. They're all fulfilled in this little bitty boy who's yeah. happens to be showing up. In a, in, a, in a temple, and what's interesting that he's showing up in the yeah. temple because they're all about the purification and the right. policies and procedures and the pilgrimages. So they're following their Jewish rules, and God is actually doing something really neat. And like the way that Jesus says it later, is he says, "I didn't actually come to abolish the law." Right? Mm-hmm. So you see this. He didn't say, "Hey, Mary, Joseph, don't do this." He didn't come to abolish the law. He literally said, "I came to fulfill it." Yeah. So you got to see in this moment this little baby. Like fulfill all the stuff, and I go, man. If you're a brilliant, brilliant scientist, I really have a hard time with this idea of supernatural deities. It seems silly to you. I'm like, read the Gospels, because this is so nuanced and complex mm-hmm. and well written and historically factual. That there's just so much going on here yeah. that all this gets resolved, and you study it long enough, it goes, ah, all this can only be resolved by God Himself. Mm-hmm. If God Himself will show up on this earth, well, He does, and that's what we get to see here in this moment. Yeah, so and I really uh, like that. Take Jesus more seriously. That was yeah. one of the things, kind of the setup. You say, yeah. hey, if you check out, you know, your internet goes down. Not that anyone ever checks like, out. Yeah, like, so that was kind of the main <sighs> point, which you circle back to kind of doubling yeah. down on believing in Jesus. Um, but that is what we're called to do as believers, like to take Jesus more seriously and to, to really impact uh, allow that to, to impact our lives. And what I think is so interesting, and this is kind of a recur- reoccurring theme that we kind of bring up yeah. each week for overtime, is that we're about midway through the second chapter, and still we don't see much of Jesus. He hasn't even talked yet. Right. Like, so, like, like 568 verses are of Jesus speaking, yeah. and Luke front loads it with all this other crazy yeah. historical, you know, Mumbo jumbo feels like. But those details are what you said. They make it more factual. They make it, I think you said this past week, this is a footnote when you're talking about um, Anna or Anna. Yeah, uh, Fanuel, her her daddy. Let me tell you who her daddy is. We don't know her daddy. It doesn't matter. Like we just read that as almost extra words, but you're right. To the listeners, that would have been. Hey, this is a, a person I know that Fanuel. you can look up. Yeah, I wonder why his name was Fanuel. They should have named him <laughs> Lynn Fanuel, and he should have done something like a like. I forget. I was gonna make a did, joke at Hamilton. Did you? Okay, I, yeah. I didn't know if you had like an ending there. I was gonna just go. Well, out. I was gonna go. You? They could. They can make a play called Julius Caesar. Wait, there's already been Macbeth, and so then I didn't. No, I forget. It, it just didn't work. Um, one of the things that you did talk about, uh, and. I wanted yeah. to hear kind of you you kind of rebring it back up, but one of the things you said that pain and sorrow uh, tell us that something's wrong. Like, yeah. it, what was maybe if you could reiterate that point? Maybe I just missed it in that moment, but I probably didn't do a good job uh, kind of unpacking it. So there's there's something called apologetics. It comes from the word apologia, which is the one that Peter says, "Always be prepared to give an argument or a reason right. or an explanation." Don't want you to see it as like this, like angry debate, but like this reason for Jesus, right? And so, there's a whole uh, branch of Christianity, or like a a discipline within Christianity called apologetics. And right. apologetics is just all the arguments for why you can believe in this faith system. And so, we know some really, we got some brilliant uh, engineers, scientists here, who really spend a lot of time in the apologetics world, particularly as it relates to creation and science, right? Right. right. And candidly, I just don't know enough about it. Like. 
understand it. I've, you know, I've studied Homo sapiens, Homo erectus, all those kind of things, trying to figure out how old our world is, trying to understand carbon dating, other different types of dating, and trying to understand how, how our world is, what it is, how it got here, and how that could prove that there's a deity, mm-hmm. and prove those things right. And so there's some brilliant minds who do that. I, when, when I think about apologetics, though, I don't, I never come about it from the science approach because I just don't know enough about science. Okay. Uh, I guess my discipline, what I studied, like the studies more sociology, like the okay. sociological impact of this, the anthropological too, just kind of how, how human beings interact with one another and how they, they are, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you hear me teach, most of my energy, I mean, I'll say something like, you know, like nothing, something, matter, matter energy. It was all just kind of showed up one day. You got to kind of come to some conclusions about that, which I think would argue for um, – like a, 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 an intelligent designer. Yeah. And then once you get to a place where you have an intelligent designer, you got to wrestle with why in the world would that intelligent designer exist, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, why would he allow us to exist? Right. I mean, right. we don't know why he exists. He just always has, but right? Like he has no therefore he is, right? So you go, well, the best possible explanation is not because he's bored, because he can create anything, not because he was lonely, right? Because with our understanding of a trained God, he had all that love there. And so that's why I always end up with it. You know, I remember when, Julie and I decided to have a child. It wasn't because when we had lots of friends who already had kids and they were right. dirty and they had snotty noses. It wasn't like, oh, that's just, this is going to make our life so much better. Or, yeah. Oh, no, no, we don't have to save for retirement now because this kid's going to provide for us. None of those kind of things. We knew it would be hard and difficult, but we just thought there's something that we wanted to share with each other and share with the world and mm. like to, to, to create a being to love and offer affection to and unconditional, all that kind of stuff. And to me, that's the, probably the best explanation for how in the world we got here well maybe god who is perfect and a perfect father unlike me created all this so that he could pour out love and affection mm-hmm. on us right which then inevitably leads to well why don't we feel that then okay if there's a god creator or son we're here why don't we feel that love and affection and in other words if that's the case something must be off and right. we have a hard time acknowledging that something's off we don't want to acknowledge something's off and it's like but if you think about it we all know something's off. Right. We all know it's off, right? And that's why I think that we got to consider pain and sadness and sorrow. It's mm-hmm. not just so. Some of well, the reason you have that is so you can appreciate the good times, right? So there's a contrast. You yeah. can't have good if you don't have evil, and you know uh, that's too, too philosophically um, complicated to me. It feels like real mental gymnastics to try to follow yeah. all that yeah. stuff. And I just can't do it. So what makes more sense to me is okay. The reality is we can argue that maybe there shouldn't be good, bad, or evil, but we all can acknowledge that we experience that. Yeah. And so they go, okay, that shared experience, particularly when we cry, when we feel pain or sorrow, why do we feel that? Right? Why does it matter if someone dies? Right? Mm-hmm. Like in the grand scheme of things, we all die a thousand years right. from now. I'm not going to be here. You're not going to be here. Nobody's going to care. So why in the world are we crying? If it, like, But there's something about like that relational connection we long for right. and there's something about when we feel that pain and sorrow we get this in every other world we don't want to talk about it sociologically or definitely not uh, biblically but when we feel pain like right like when i had a lot of pain going on my leg uh, i'm going something's wrong i cannot i can't lift my foot something's wrong here and there is actually there is something going on where my body was telling me that i need to have something looked at, right? Like, yeah. so pain, bee sting, stubbed yeah. toe, it just tells you that something's off. It's all that pain is. That's the whole purpose of pain in our life is to acknowledge that something is not the way it should be. 
So as we think about all those things, think about this guy who created us, this longing for him, not sure if he exists, but we think he does. And then we go, okay, well, we have pain. We all can at least foundationally go, we exist and we experience that pain. Okay, if we experience pain and we exist, why? the question has happened is why in the world do we experience pain? And we already have come to the conclusion. The reason we all experience pain is because it is our way, our body, our minds are telling us something's off. So it would make sense that when someone dies, you cry tears and feel pain. Why? Because something's off, right? There's just something off. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. It would make sense that your heart would get broken when someone who was committed to you turned their back on you. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? There's something about us and our heart and our soul that tells us there's a, there's a right way that life's supposed to happen. And then there's a wrong way that it happens. And we feel pain and sorrow as a result of it, right? And so what happens is you feel that pain. Your mind tells you something's off, but you never go, well, what's the solution to that? It's off. Or even better. Well, what's the way it's actually supposed to be? Yeah. So when we soared through all that stuff sociologically, okay, we have pain. It, I feel pain. I experience pain. Then I probably should pause for a second and go, why do I have that pain and why do I experience that pain? And what I would argue wholeheartedly is because you were not meant to experience the pain of death. You're not meant to experience the pain of heartache and, you know, uh, betrayal. That mm-hmm. wasn't the world by which I would argue God designed. And yet, it's still the world we're in. So does yeah. that mean God's yeah. incompetent? It's not that. It means God is so loving and gracious that he gives us permission to live our own lives the way that you would expect a good God to do that, right? Like He's, And so we have this world that we long for. We have this pain that we experience. And we have the burden of responsibility that a lot of that pain we experience is our own fault, our neighbor's fault, our spouse's fault, our kid's fault, or our parent's fault. And so well, what do you do with all that? Well, what religion has done is they've given you the framework to kind of solve those things. Here you go. Pray these prayers. Eat these foods. Don't eat these foods. Here's your policies. Here's your procedures. Here's your pilgrimages. Here's a date on the calendar. Whatever it is that you can kind of go to that to kind of um, live cathartically by just purging all this stuff or watching a movie to purge all this pain or sorrow to go talk about this pain and sorrow because we don't have a real good solution for dealing with it so we're wrestling through all that just with the understanding that that we know something's off and so we either look to make god happy with us Mm. or we look to become our own god and all those things leave us wanting and so the problem is is this is basically our whole life in front of us you got mary and joseph they're having this kid and they're trying to follow all the procedures but what they're really trying to do is go we really would like for God to be pleased with us. Yeah. We'd like to be right before him, and we'd like to know him and experience him well. Yeah. So what should we do to experience that? So mm-hmm. even if you're not a Christian, it's probably still the same thing. You'd probably like to know the creator of the universe if he exists. You'd probably like for him to be okay with you. Yeah. And probably like for him to really love you, right? If, <laughs> so how do we go about doing that and... And I would argue is that's the basis for all religion out there is they yeah. all are trying to answer this problem. The problem with the answers to all those problems is always up to us. Mm-hmm. And that's why I go, we got to take Jesus more serious. Because yeah. based on this worldview, which is different than every other worldview, Jesus does all the work and we get all the rewards for yeah. it. So I just think there's something to sit and pause. Even if you're not a Christian, to just stop and think for a second and go, why do I long for things that cannot, that cannot fulfill me? Like, why can't I find that? So... Long answer that probably just is convoluted. Yeah, but. and I would say that if you're listening and you're kind of curious, different worldviews, we mm-hmm. did cover that last week in week eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, of the Gospel uh, of Luke, so mm-hmm. you can do that. I can't remember off the top of my head what episode podcast that we covered. Like kind of 45, 46, somewhere in there. But it, it just covered, last week covered Luke chapter Luke week eight. Uh, Luke's Gospel week eight is what we covered. Yep. It's that overtime that we did that. So. 
Um, I did want to talk about, so one of the things that you did, you used um, the alliterations for peace, right? I didn't even like, put the word pain up there. Yeah, so you had, I think I, if I counted correctly, it was 12 Ps. Possibly. And you started, Possibly. started to talk Perhaps. through. <laughs> Probably. You started to talk through, there's what, do we now add that 15 and we've got to work through 15? Um, and you started to talk through kind of the promise, the payoff, yeah. and the process of that. Um, and then, so I, I just kind of want to work through those probably without those three, unless there was anything else no, you no, wanted no, to no, add to good. that. Yeah. Um, and I guess the first one that you mentioned, and you did say over the weekend that you wanted to cover this one a little bit yeah, more yeah, yeah. on overtime. So I want to give you that opportunity. But when you talked about purification, like what, what was it that you were hoping to cover or talk through here in overtime that we couldn't quite get to over the weekend? Yeah, so purification, it, we, it's what we're all longing for, right? You want to... Uh, I mean, you can use the word purge as well, but the process of purification is purify, uh, purging all the stuff that, all the, the toxicity, toxic stuff in your life. So you purge it, you fill it back up with what is good. And so we all long for like pure hearts, pure minds, pure bodies, right. all those kind of things. That's why we work out. That's why we don't eat ice cream. That's why we feel bad. That's why we have shame when we eat food. We shouldn't. All those kind of things. Or see things, put things in our head that we shouldn't. All those things because distinctly there's something that we long for to have this wholeness and this purity right in us in fact i mean even if you go i don't care about that anymore maybe not but we're still really smitten maybe it's the wrong word because uh we, we're fond of people that we think are pure right mm-hmm. like pure hearts pure mind like oh and that cute kind of thing like yeah. uh the innocence that comes with it and so what seems to happen in our world is that a lot of us are trying to figure out, okay, how do we get rid of the junk in our life that's not working for us, right? Every New Year's resolution is about that somehow. How do we yeah. how do we purge the bad stuff, purify yeah. our lives, simplify them, whatever term you want to use there. Well, the, the interesting thing is that purification has been what we've been working through in all religions is going, we have come to the conclusion that the way by which the gods up there, God, gods, whatever it is, are happy with us is if we get rid of all the junk in our life that doesn't please him, right? And so in other words, it's all about purification. It's all about cleansing ourselves from the dirty, the bad. And uh, so that's just a natural byproduct of religion is that you either attempt to become God, so you purify that, so you're seen as holy, worthy of worship, all those things, or reconcile yourself to God, right? And so that's what purification does. And you can really look at that in the Jewish scriptures because what happens if you were to walk through the Old Testament, I'm going to cover a lot in a really short amount of time. So in the beginning, things were good. God, Adam, Eve, they were walking in the garden like all night, and then in one moment, things go bad, right? right. And so it's, what's interesting is the minute that they decide to disobey God. They go, hey, we want we want our plan more than yours. What happens that moment is God gives them permission to walk their own trajectory. Right. And he removes himself from that guidance, right? So now they're not tethered to him in his heart. They're tethered to their own hearts, which, by the way, are impure. And they walk in that. And the very first thing you see happen for Adam and Eve right, is just pain. Right. right? You were thinking that. And in that moment, all of a sudden their eyes are open and they go, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Hmm. And they do it from the weirdest way. They look down their bodies and they go, I'm naked naked and feel shame well who told you to feel shame right like so there's just something about this vulnerableness of seeing each other and seeing how impure they are right Mm. all of a sudden before then they didn't care at all right they didn't care at all they're like whatever i can do jumping jacks i can do you know (laughs) push-ups pull-ups you know uh, you know burpees it just doesn't matter because we're just not worried about it all of a sudden their eyes are open all of a sudden they go oh gosh dirty right so what do you do at that point well you they set them on a trajectory to purify themselves, to cover yeah. themselves, to make themselves look better than they are. And In fact, even when God shows back up in the garden, he goes, what happened? It's not because he didn't know. He goes, where are you? It's not because he didn't know where they were, right? 
they go on this self-preserving uh, approach of trying to make themselves look better than they are. Adam goes, Eve made me do it. Eve goes, the enemy made me do it. Serpent made me do it, right? In other words, it's not our fault. We're clean. We're pure. It's their fault. They're unclean. They're impure. And our entire world is spent on these things. Of defining ourselves as pure and defining those people out there as impure, right? Mm -hmm. There's all these hot button issues right now. We could say words and all of a sudden there is a group of people that go, you're pure. And the other group go, oh, see, they're impure. They don't think like I do. Yeah, so there's just, right. that's just a real simple part of how our world works is you got purity and impurity. Our goal is purity and we are pretty good at defining those that are impure. So uh, that starts all the way back in the garden. So what happens then is God kind of... Uh, purifies them, he covers them, makes a promise for them, and tells them one day that he will make all things right. He makes the promise of Jesus in Genesis chapter 3. And then what you see happen is God still allows the family unit to, for human growth and development. There's a lot of good to experience. It's not perfect, but it's good. And yet there's this broken dirtiness, and you see it play out trajectory after trajectory. You can go watch the story of Noah not too long after that, where God literally wipes away an entire generation, mm -hmm. all the people, because of their impure, broken hearts, right? Mm -hmm. And so then he starts back over with one family family and that family like literally Noah on the boat he gets off the boat he gets completely trashed right in yeah. that moment like just reveals this the broken or dirtiness of the heart and so you mm -hmm. see that and then you can see the tower of Babel and God keeps coming and providing and people go nope we like our way better than theirs and so finally you get to uh, Genesis 11 and 12 and God kind of establishes a covenant with his people Abram and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But you even see real quick, yes, his heart and his wife's heart are impure. And they can't trust God. So they, they have another baby. Uh, well, uh, Abraham does. Sarah doesn't. Who's Ishmael. So now you're going to yeah. see these two different worldviews, religions. Yeah, right. you got Islam coming from um, from Ishmael. By the way, he is the kind of the, uh, from his lines, the Edomites, which is where Herod comes from. So yeah. even when you get all the way to the first century, Right, you have Herod's temple, and then you got Jesus coming to establish the temple. So this begins these now two religions who are now going to go about trying to find purification in different ways. But for the Jews, that the Old Testament kind of chronicles, they start saying, "God, we just need you to rescue us. God, would you guide us? Would you give us visions?" And God did through Joseph, and he establishes a kingdom and a rule and a reign and nations and people. And I mean, Jacob kind of goes, "God, if you would." Bless me. God blesses. And so you see all these things. Then you see and what ends up happening is they tell God they like their plan better than his, and they kind of end up in slavery, right? Mm -hmm. So skip ahead a little while. God does some supernatural things, tells them how they can get out of slavery, right? And there's these ten plagues, and there's some policies and procedures, right? Give me your firstborn. Like, uh, firstborn animal, trust me. Here's a policy. you got to trust me with everything. you got to trust that I'm the one in charge. And here's the procedure. I want you to slaughter the firstborn lamb. I want you to put it over the, uh, the your doorpost, and God will provide a way, right? So policies and procedures, and that happens there. And then all of a sudden, they get freed from this Egyptian slavery. But what happens after they get freed is they start wondering if God really cares about them. And they start really feeling the dirtiness of the stuff. So what they say is, God, God, would you please just speak to us? Would you please give us your word? So what happens is Moses goes up into to Mount Sinai. And while they're there, they're so impure, they literally take all their gold and make it into these golden calves. Like, mm, not in the back of your leg, right? And they worship. You always laugh at that every time. But, uh, um, and they worship this golden cow. Now Moses comes right down, and he literally is carrying God's word, which is what they've right. asked for. Right. And he gets so mad, he throws it down and breaks it. And he has to go back up again. And they hear this, and they go, God, if you just tell us, surely we'll follow everything. In other words, we'll just follow. We can purify our own minds by our own obedience. So Moses comes right down and gives them all these laws. Yeah. So these laws, they go, God gave us laws. It must be that he wants us to follow all these so our hearts will be purified. 
Well, the reality is that is a secondary thing, that their life would be better if they trusted God and followed the rules. Yeah. But primary, God gives them those rules so they can really come to the conclusion that they can't follow them. Yeah, right. So at first, they have no awareness, and they go, no, this is how we purify ourselves, purify ourselves, purify ourselves. So there's all these rules, right? These are the same rules that um, that we find Mary and Joseph with in the temple. Now, yeah. what happens is eventually you come to the conclusion that they can't follow the rules. So guess what they say next? God, if you would just help someone else, help us follow the rules. Like, help us understand the law. Give us a warrior who can guide us in that. So God gives them judges. Yeah. You got Joshua leads a man, and then you got all these judges. And then the judges get worse and worse and worse, right? And they're going, okay, it can't be judges because they're impure too. Okay, God, you know what we need? We need a king. We need a mighty king. Other nations have kings. Our heart, yeah. we would finally know you and be with you if you just give us a king. So what does God do? Gives them a king, right? So you see these kings show up. You got good kings, Saul first. And then then quickly his heart is impure. And then you got David, who's going to be this mighty warrior king. And quickly you see what his heart leads to. Yeah. And yet, 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 here's what's interesting. David is defined by a man after God's own right. heart. David is the one who prayed, God, give us clean hands and a pure heart, right? And so there's this, this longing, but there is this gap between the longing he has and how it plays out in his life, right? So these kings get worse and worse and worse. So they finally go, God, would you please, 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 would you just, would you help us understand you and know that you haven't forgotten us? God sends all these prophets to remind them that he loves them and has a plan for them. And then they kept going, God, this isn't enough either, right? Yeah. And so you get to the end of the Old Testament, and what you see is a bunch of people, the nations have been destroyed by impurity all around, and finally these people are just broken going, we don't think God loves us. We they've come to the conclusion they can't fix themselves, but they seem like there is no like there's no real hope for them, yeah. right? So you get all the way through the Old Testament, you got you know, twelve, fourteen, fifteen hundred years of writings, and you get to that spot and all of a sudden people are just kinda of looking at God going, We don't know what to do. Yeah. There's just finally this like not not even humility, more like humiliation. We've we've tried all those things. And so all of a sudden you get to the turn of the first century and Mary and Joseph are having this baby. And they're going, oh, gosh, we have this baby. He says, God, well, what do we do? Well, we have all these rules that we've tried to follow to make God happy with us. So they would have been following Levitical law. And Leviticus 12, it's so complicated. There's all sorts of laws, particularly for women, on, uh, like in their in their cycle. Seven days, they're considered right. unclean. And most people are like, that's so offensive. And it is. It's complicated. And what's interesting, and you can follow this aside, that women are close together. They kind of have the same cycle. Oh, it's so weird how that happens. And and you go, well, God, even these folks were kicked out of the house for a week, right? And so they mm -hmm. still had some community, so all sorts of complications. But it's not as, as offensive as it probably sounds because there's kind of this value of women as pure, like mm -hmm. more pure than men. Like guys are broken and impure. So that just was kind of like a resigned fact. So women, this was a the time they were impure, but they actually had more affectionate, caring hearts and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So there was just this time of the month where they were defined as impure. Guys were just like, yeah, this is what we do. They're impure, right? Like, they kill people. They cut off people's heads. They do those kind of things. Women were seen as more holy and pure. And that even when you go back to Adam and Eve, God's Adam's made out of dust. Eve is made out of a rib. Like, there's just a different thing there. And so you see that play out. And so, But one of the rules, going back to the Old Testament, was the way by which you consecrated or acknowledged that a kid was part of this and that God would one day fulfill his promise. Not yet, but would. Would be that you would circumcise them and present them in the temple. So you got that. Now the other side is in Leviticus chapter 12, and that's in Exodus 13 where you see that happen. So you got Genesis and Exodus, which is the story of God's people kind of evolving and showing us how impure we are. Then you got Leviticus, which is like all the rules and laws that God gave them. So it's it's, it's like what the priest 
were called to follow all the policies, all the procedures, yeah. and all the pilgrimages. But again, the number one objective was for them to be like a reagent and reveal how impure people's hearts are right. and how much they right. needed Jesus. So you had these people, they're in the temple, and they're following these things. And so Mary and Joseph are bringing this baby, you know, who's at this point 40 days old because they circumcised the eight and then you know basically a month later 32 33 days later so that's six weeks they bring him there because at this point when they bring the baby there they're bringing him to be consecrated and acknowledge that that, that he set apart because that's what they did for all babies and she was coming to be seen as purified okay because for seven days each month, uh, she was considered impure. The other time, she's considered really pure. This wasn't about sin. This was about the broken and dirtiness of who we are. So seven days a month, that was just kind of acknowledged that death lives and blood runs, right? And so what's interesting is, so for all these women, once they had a baby, for the first six weeks, they were just considered unclean, right? Impure. Well, I did have a question. Yeah. Was the baby considered in unclean too? Like, yeah, how does that question. work? Sort of yes, no, maybe. Uh, no, uh, the, the baby was set apart, right? Okay. For the first seven, eight days, yes. Consecration okay. happens, uh, name happens, but the baby is with mom. It's because the right. mom is unclean. The baby can't be around other people because just by um, uh, by secondhand touching, right? <laughs> yeah, secondhand right. impurities. Um, like if you were to sleep in a bed with a woman who is on... Uh, her period, right. uh, you were considered unclean. Right, so right. it wasn't that the baby itself was unclean. It was that the the mom who was caring for the baby was unclean, okay. but the mom and the baby were together. So, But what's interesting is for a woman for the first seven days, that was kind of acknowledged for the kid. Now, and just com- like completely set apart. Now, after those okay. first seven days, she was allowed to engage with people at that point. Okay. But the same thing with the baby was supposed to be consecrated, acknowledged at 40 days. Now, that is... Um, that was, so the first 40 days kind of set apart. In fact, it says this way. Let me read it to you to make sure. Um, and when the days of her purifying are completed, whether a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent or temple of meeting a lamb a year old burnt offering and shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. See, this for her. Okay. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, that's when she would bring the, these pigeons, doves, those kind of things. So it's really, really complicated. But what's interesting here is for a, a boy, it ends up being about six weeks. Okay. Which, if you know an OBGYN, that's what they're saying. No touch, no nothing. Okay. Uh, for, not like impure, but just, hey, you don't want to get repregnant. You don't want to. There's just a lot of stuff that has to go in terms of healing. So it's kind of a six-week segment. So same thing there. No, but <laughs> strange. Not where the sermon should go, but what I want to cover um, is that it's twice as long for the female. Okay. So instead of forty days, it's eighty days, and there there's not much written on this. Okay. Now. So there's uh, there's some practical arguments that when a husband uh, Julie was sharing this, she looked it up for me, and for a husband to get a baby girl, he's not excited about it, right? He okay. wants a baby boy. So there would have been this eagerness to jump right in and go, let's have another kid, let's have another kid, let's have another kid. I need a boy. Okay, you, that didn't happen. Let's go again. Okay. So there is a kind of a longer period of healing to kind of protect that. Maybe that would be practical. Um, the other is um, <laughs> men weren't really, there wasn't really a need for a man to bond with his mother because he was going to be out in the fields, that kind of stuff. He was with the okay. father. So, but a woman would, and so this kind of guarded time for a female to bond with their mother <laughs> may be significant. Again, I can't find it in the scriptures anywhere. Yeah, um, and this is not Levitical law. This is like the law that they added to 
well, the Levitical law. No, no, right? no, no. So the 1480 I mean, days. You read, the 1480 yeah. days are Levitical law. Okay. The reasoning, the why behind the what, we don't really know, right? Okay. So this is like you can read um, there. Uh, Chabad, I think it's called C H A B A D dot com. There, there's some different. Uh, Jewish websites that okay. offer some kind of stuff there. It's not Christian, right? But it's Jewish, right. so they, they offer some arguments there. Another one is, and the one I told you, and I think this is probably the most accurate, is a woman was considered pure until this moment and then unpure. Yeah. And so if she has a child, now she's brought another pure woman in here who's also unpure. So okay. the 7 to 14, then the 40 to 80 kind of extends. So okay. lots of stuff that, I mean, well, I don't want us to get bogged down in the details. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. So you want to go, I, I try to follow the thought pattern and go, well, I don't want people to get caught up in that and not understand. At the same time, I don't want us to get bogged down in it. Right. So but, I, but what I do want to highlight here is they held very high value on the policies and procedures yeah, and pilgrimages right. that must happen for the possibility of having any kind of purification because yeah. they long to be back with God. Yeah, right. Unfortunately. The way by which they thought they're going to be back for God, Jews still to this day, yeah. is not actually how you get back to God because right. it puts uh, an emphasis and an expectation on human beings to be able to perform well enough for God. Yeah. And we just aren't capable of performing that well. And on top of that, and this is what I want to keep reminding our folks, if we could perform that well, there is no need for Jesus, which right. means his death is pointless. His resurrection right. makes no sense, right? And so the whole idea of the gospel is that Jesus paid the price for that, covered us in that, and that only he can purify us, right? Yeah. Only only he can do the work. So we can view these laws more as a, wow, God is so perfect and I am so flawed and imperfect. Man, I really do appreciate and value what Jesus has done for yeah. me, mm-hmm. which is where we find Simeon and Anna somehow in this, being able to spin the story and go, it's not about the. They didn't talk about the sacrifice. They didn't talk about the atonement. They're going. Yeah. He's the one. Yeah. So in the middle of this, this is where you see, and be easy to miss, just in reading the Christmas story. This is where the transfer for Christians happened. It, mm. it, they transferred from burden of responsibility on the humans to the burden of responsibility on Jesus. Yeah. Literally, that's what you see in these verses that are so significant that'd be really yeah. easy to miss in this. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of the question, and this was like 15 minutes ago. So. <laughs> Uh, the question was kind of about purification, what you wanted to cover. And really what we did was we yeah. talked about purification, the policies, procedures, yeah. per- pilgrimages. Yeah. But I do want to spend some time specifically on what ultimately the piece that you got to was the presence performance, um, the paraclete piece, and then people's. Yeah. But, but these two individuals were, were both advanced in years. They were older. And uh, as you read through this, um, I'm trying to see where it is, revealed um, – Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the man was right, he was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before, it's, before he would see the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple, and parents brought him uh, in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And then you see yeah. Anna or Anna, yeah. depends on how you say yeah. it. Like, here's these two older people that were awaiting the promise. Like, yeah. And it's amazing that these two people who presumably we don't really know much about Nothing. at all. I, like, I, can't, I, I can't find Fanuel, Lynn Fanuel, <laughs> yeah. anywhere else in the... Nowhere. Yeah, but it's, nowhere else. It's incredible that here is kind of this... 
I don't know. For me, I guess I think a, of a small snapshot of two people that have been incredibly mm. faithful to what God has called them to do. Yeah. And they know of the promise that is coming. Yeah. It's in the Old Testament. But they, I, it feels like it's a step more. Like the yeah. Holy Spirit speaks to them and they know that he's coming. That yeah. they will see him. Simeon will see him before he dies. Like, I, I guess in that I'm going, okay, I do want to get to presence and performance in Paraclete. But like, as we look at this, what is, maybe what is what we pull out from that? Like, and I even had a question in verse 27. It says, he came in the spirit. Well, what is that exactly yeah. does that mean? Because this is before Acts 2 and the Holy Spirit falls in, yeah. you know, tongues of fire and rushing wind, like the sound of rushing wind. Yeah. So what does this look like? here in Luke 2 before Acts happens. Yeah, so mm, you, you see the Holy Spirit show up multiple times in the Old Testament. Yeah. But it's for a moment, right. not for a lifetime, right. right? Which is so different than that. So it's the Holy Spirit meets. I don't know if it, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not sure exactly why just there, other than there was, there was a lot of emphasis put on the way by which we gain, receive, and believe in the Holy Spirit. Is through our, received the Holy Spirit is in our belief and understanding of Jesus as Lord, yeah. right? And so up to this point, people could look forward to the option of that, but no one yeah. could actually say, that's my Lord. No. Yeah. So what you have here, and this is why this is so important and so easy to miss in the Christmas story is this is where all that, here is a, here's a snapshot of this whole thing happening. Here's all the Jewish laws, rituals, yeah. a baby right there. You would think, what in the world, baby? It doesn't really matter. That happens all the time. New yeah, consecration. Insignificant. New like, okay, all that kind of stuff. And what has happened over and over again, if you haven't picked up on it, really importantly, we do. And Luke, there just continues to be a scene change, yeah. right? Yeah. Baby's born. Let's see with the shepherds. You know, uh, there is this news that John the Baptist is going to be born. Zechariah, scene changes to Elizabeth, right? And so you see these scene changes over and over again. Here's Mary showing up, and here's the scene change to Elizabeth's yeah. work. Here's the shepherds, right? All those different things. And so in the middle of this, there is a... The, the focus goes away yeah. from the purification, the policies, and procedures, and yeah, pilgrimages. Right. It goes away from that to the actual practical part of what people are receiving. Right? So mm -hmm. you the, the, the camera lens changes, and all of a sudden you see the real-life ramifications to what's happening in Jesus. Mm -hmm. This is no longer a thought or ethereal or an idea that one day God would send a Savior. It was yeah. he did. Yeah. <coughs> and let me show you the real ramifications of it. So the first person who believes that... Simeon, yeah. he is looking at this child and saying, that is my Lord. You see this, like, steel baby, that that's, is my Lord. It's insane so, to think about. Filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So you've seen this a little bit earlier. You see this baby in utero yeah. who knows the Lord's about to approach in another baby. And what happens in that? Yeah. What happens with John the Baptist? Filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? You see Elizabeth seeing the Lord. What happens? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So there is this. There is this process by which people who declare that there's a Lord, that there is a Savior, that he's the Messiah, the Christ, and the Lord, in that moment they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So you see this right now, this declaration of that, and now you see Simeon's results. So yeah. Simeon seizes the Lord. God confirms that through his Spirit. And then he makes his declaration. What's so interesting is he says, he actually talks about what it is Israel's long for. Yeah. So that waiting for the consolation of Israel... What's really interesting is maybe this guy is pure and holy, like Moses was pure and holy at times, but he also understood like the brokenness of the world, right? And so this is not just individual, it's collective. Okay. So uh, you'd feel this, we'd feel this as Christians right now, looking at this, the pain and sorrow of our nation right now, right? Some of you are saying stuff like, like Jesus come quickly, 
Yeah. Right. Like I saw a, a political sign that said meteorite 2020. Like just this <laughs> idea that the best solution for this election would be that a meteor would just crush the earth, right? Which is terrible and morbid. But there is like this, like yeah. you look at it, right? Like you yeah. don't read the news on the other side. Read the vitriol on Facebook. Right. Do you not just see on all sides, right? On all sides. Just a lot of people who could really just use the consolation, the comforting yeah. Of the Lord. So Simeon sees this, understands how it applies to him, but understands the ramifications for all that are around him yeah. for an entire nation. And it's so, again, it's so easy to miss this. He literally uses the word Luke here, paraclete, which we won't hear for a while because every time you hear the spirit, even when it's here, it's like a, it's a wind. It's a yeah. pneuma. Like it's like the, it's described as this wind that moves out. It goes where it goes, right? Like that kind of thing. And so the spirit has come in, breathe in. It's so important when you see it as breath because that's what we see with Adam in the beginning. Right. God breathes his spirit into Adam, right? God breathes it into the dry bones of Ezekiel. So you, you typically see it. Now when Jesus talks about the spirit, he talks about it as the one like himself, the comforter. And he uses mm. the word paraclete here. So you've got this guy going, oh, we just need comfort. And he's filled with the thing that provides the comfort yeah. because people don't have access to that because Jesus has made that available. Because up until that point, no one gets access to God's breath, yeah. to God's life because they were imperfect and impurified and broken. And the only way to do that was through purification and they couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. So in this moment, it's just so much more than just, oh, old man holds a baby. It's like his yeah. spirit, he's seeing the Lord. He is declaring the Lord and he's declaring what's available. And this is why I'm going, hey guys, we got to take this Jesus serious because he is saying that there's consolation available to our nation yeah, yeah. and to our church and to our families as a result. And so this idea that the way by which the consolation happens is through the spirit. Yeah. Right? But the way that we get access to, to the spirit is through the son. Yeah. Right? And so there's so much going on here in terms of the Trinity. God is, is uh, you know, bending and shaping all this. The Holy Spirit is making it available. And you can kind of see it as like this this baby that's almost like a like a an old door key, right? That this is kind of opening up. And in this moment at the temple, that door key is open. And when, as the door opens, that Jesus is given access, the spirit is just yeah. coming and available to his people. So this is the end of the policies, the procedures and the pilgrimages. And this is the beginning of life and life to the fullest. That's now yeah. available. And this old man is the first one to make that declaration yeah. right there with Jesus. So I, I thought it was beautiful in, in 32. Like uh, I've read this before, but I haven't paid attention to this. Yeah. It's interesting that Simeon says, you know, he's declaring, you know, uh, it starts in 29. Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And 32, he says this, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Like it's, it's easy for me to kind of almost look at it as the Jews. But here in this moment, this snapshot, he, he, he the door. sees here the bigger picture. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so beautiful. And what he's saying here is so important. And gosh, I wish I could have, I could have talked for hours like this. Prepared, you know, that prepared in the presence of all peoples. Meaning, yeah. like, he is he is not only making available all people; he's showing it to all people. Yeah. Right. So in that moment, he's like, "Going here's what it is. Here's this baby. Like you understand. Like you got to see this. Every year in December, there is a story for all peoples that are hearing it all yeah. across. There's, I mean, and we can joke about elves and Santa Claus and all that stuff, but this story, like, you got Neil yeah. Diamond. A Jewish guy singing away in the manger, right? Like, what? Like, there's just this weird confusion all this stuff because he's going, no, no, no. This is the story. This is going to yeah. make all stories. Like, it's still every year. Let every heart prepare him room, right? right? There's this thing here. And so what he's declaring, you see that the prepared in the presence of all 
peoples. I think when I got there, I was like, oh, that's where I got to use peace because here they are okay. all over the place. But even okay. right before that, Lord, now you're letting your servant see this depart in peace. And this is why I point out, especially, especially if you're listening to this and have a hard time believing, I'm like, damn you, man, you talked in circles, Josh. That makes sense. That's a lot. Purification, you lost me at Mount Sinai, whatever that is. Um, um, the thing that I would say is what I do know you long for is just peace. And I would just ask you, how are you doing with that? And what are you doing to manufacture that in your life? Right? Because we all have these plans. I'll do less. I'll carve out some time. But we, we're just not finding much peace right yeah. now. That's why we like bottles and pills. And why all of us spend too much time on social media. Right? Because we just got to escape it and go, this is the same longing that people have been longing for for 2,000 years. And this guy is the first one to declare this out loud, holding this baby going, this is where the peace comes from. Yeah. So this is where I go, maybe we should, maybe it's time that you should take this guy more serious. Yeah. Maybe you can consider that if you are longing for peace, which I know you are, and it's absent in your life, then maybe you've been looking for it. I've been looking for it the long, wrong places. And maybe you need to resign the fact that you're not the one capable of finding your own peace. Yeah. At first it sounds difficult, but then it's so refreshing to go, it's not up to me. And yeah. so it's, it's almost as you like, as we're kind of circling back and I'm not sure if we've got a little bit, a little bit yeah. of time left. I'm not sure if there's any more things that we want to focus yeah. on, but as we talked about like doubling down on believing in Jesus, it's almost as if you, you didn't quite say it, but you're saying it. And I've heard you say it in the past. It's almost like, well, what do you have to lose? Like, what, what do you have to lose to just try? If Jesus is the promise and the one that brings peace and fulfillment, like what if you try it? Like, yeah. You're either going to find fulfillment in that or you're not. But it's the same thing you're doing now is searching, right? Yeah, so someone caught me after, actually during the Eagles game. Okay. I, I was talking and I, they said, why did God wait so long? Like, mm -hmm. why did God give them the whole Old Testament and all yeah. these stories and wars and kingdoms that all pass away? Cast of yeah. You know? Why did it take so long? Like, why didn't he just jump right in next week and yeah, bring this right. back? And I, and I think it's, a, it's because he's so gracious to us mm -hmm. and... He wants us to have our own awareness. Mm. And so there's something about, and this is why I, I believe it wholeheartedly, people only get to Jesus. There's many ways to God. I mean, but uh, there's many ways to find Jesus, but only one way to God, right? Yeah. But I think even in the many ways by which we discover Jesus, there's usually just one of two lanes. It's either humility or humiliation. And the reality is most of us, it's, it's through humiliation where we have exhausted all their options. Yeah. So you look at the Israelites, they were humiliated. Right, and they finally at the end was last. You see, I'm talking to Malachi. God, could you just please do something, right? Yeah. And so there is something about this I think is really important. That's why I challenge, man. If you're looking for peace, my guess is you've exhausted all the other options. You've exhausted all the other options. You know, you would think that this monk living close to the temple, or this lady, yeah. you know, Sister Anna, that they would be the ones that exude all that and yet you see they're rejoicing because what they've been looking for wasn't found in the temple yeah. wasn't found in their policies procedures or pilgrimages yeah. so that's where they find it so i think that's the important thing is no matter how you come about it you have to eventually come to the conclusion that you long for peace and you can't get it for yourself mm -hmm. and that's where jesus is so. yeah i was just reading that as you were saying that i was reading um anna or anna depends yeah. on how you want to say it and, and she did not depart from the temple worshiping and fasting and prayed night and day um, and then she gives thanks to God as she sees Jesus um, and speak to him, who all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. I just think it's beautiful. Like it is this this snapshot where Luke uses 
both Simeon and Anna as examples of here's two people, as you said on on Sunday, like who, here's two people who got it right. Yeah, they're good. They're they're better performers than yeah. you and I. But it still wasn't in that. It wasn't yeah. in policies or procedures. It was in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like it was in Him fulfilling what we could never fulfill. And I love that she says redemption of Jerusalem. That literally yeah. means to be bought back. And that's yeah. where I think pain and peace are really good. Um, litmus for us the pain yeah. piece is we understand that there's a world we we're meant for that we're not living in yeah. same thing a peace we understand there's something we're longing for that we haven't yet received and what what Anna's saying is yeah you were and you had it available to you you gave it away sold it away and could not afford to buy it back yeah and yet here jesus is for the redemption the yeah. buying back like he's <laughs> buying back your peace and your purity and your presence with the God of the universe. He's doing yeah. all that. And so pretty neat to have this lady who's a lot more perfect than we are making yeah. those declarations. Well, uh, let's see. I think we got a couple minutes left. Was there anything else that either didn't make it to the cutting room floor or anything else that you wanted to share after our discussion today? Yeah, so um, yeah. So when you read the Old Testament, you see Joseph, Jacob, Abraham, Moses. There's like... All these guys who tried to get it right, Joshua, yeah. but couldn't quite get it right. And so the way that you see all them and see what it is that people long for in them versus how that kind of played out for them, not in its perfection. You see a lot of people put a lot of hope and stock in all these people who eventually couldn't provide for them what it is they want for, right? Mm-hmm. And so the neat thing is when you start seeing Jesus now show up, you can see Jesus as a better Abraham. A perfect Abraham. You can see Jesus, for those of you who know the Old Testament, those of you who are Jewish, you can see Jesus as the perfect Jacob, mm. not the conniving, manipulating. You can see Jesus as the perfect Joseph, the one who is planning ahead, carving out and preparing us to not live in slavery, right? Mm. To have freedom and not be, be hungry. He's a perfect guy. You can see Jesus as the perfect Moses, right? The one who leads us out into out of out of captivity. You can see Jesus is the perfect Joshua who brings us into the promised land. And so for those of us who grew up in like religion, what you got to see is Jesus is the one who fulfills all those things. Yeah. Now, even yeah. in the temple, Jesus is the perfect temple. Jesus is the perfect lamb. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is the, you know, the perfect priest, like everything you can see, yeah. all these are archetypes that people kind of go, Oh, he almost got it. Oh, he was almost there. Oh, he was yeah. almost that good. Cause you just see the flaws of all these humans. And Jesus is the perfect one of all those people. So every time you see these people who don't quite meet the bar, including you and I, it's because there's only one who meets the bar, and mm-hmm. Jesus is the perfect one of those. So if Jesus is the perfect Abraham, Jesus is the perfect Jacob, Isaac, Moses, right? Guess who else is the perfect us? Mm-hmm. You and I. Yeah. So the way that God sees us is through Jesus, mm-hmm. who perfects us and makes us exactly what God mm-hmm. Desired for us to be, and one day we'll get to live in the joy of all that, worshiping Jesus, celebrating Jesus, being with Jesus, being in His presence, enjoying His peace, yeah. and enjoying His favor, and all the promises that He has for us. So we have to see Jesus as so much more than just this baby who died on the cross. Yeah, that gets us into heaven. So I used to have a teacher or colleague, like it was eventually we worked together as well. Uh, she used to say, "You already are. You already are. You already are yeah. perfect. You already are." You know, holy, you yeah. already like just kind of in what God has done. You are already yeah. perfect in what Christ has done. Yeah. Yes, there's a part where you're being sanctified mm-hmm. daily, but you already are. And I think that, that yeah. So there's a positional holiness. Up. There, yeah. like our position before God, if you believe in this, is perfect and holy. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, we're aware that we're not, but our position right. with right. God is seen as such things because He yeah. sees us through the other side of the cross and sees us in all eternity. So. Yeah. Well, That's it. I got nothing else. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Whether you're watching this live or you're catching it 
all on podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Hopefully you are challenged and encouraged in this. As always, we do want to remind you that if you would like to kind of submit a question, it could be from a week past, you know, one of the messages we've done, or maybe it's not even connected to any of the messages that we've been doing or will do, but you just had a question. We want to encourage you to email us at overtime at clcfamily.church, or you can text 610-869-2140. Just text us your question there. Uh, We'd love to have you be a part of that and help us in the discussion. We love getting to the questions when people submit those. Uh, If not, we just kind of have a discussion and we hope that you continue to grow and learn from that. And uh, yeah, so we hope to see you next week and thanks for tuning in. We have 40 more seconds. 40 more seconds? Oh yeah, 50. I think we should give it as a gift that we should just give like an additional 25 seconds. Enjoy this half minute.